0: Welcome
1: to the Politics and Bros podcast. This is episode twenty-one. It's July fifteenth, twenty twenty, and we are here to talk about stuff. As you- yes, great one. <laughs> welcome I was trying back. To think of, I was trying to think of something really witty for. We're going to talk about. Gone.
0: Well, maybe you should prepare that before we Damn. come Damn on. Damn it. On. Um, welcome That's back. back. That's Welcome back. That's what you should have talked about. Welcome back from vacation. We had vacations right. that we had. To, we had to go to.
1: That's right. celebrate, celebrate America in places other than where we live.
0: Yes. Happy 4th of July to you. You mm-hmm. went to Michigan, right? I did. And you were in- Can you uh, hear my church in the background? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. okay. It,
1: adds, it adds a little color to our All conversation. Right. It humanizes us.
0: We are very uh, inhuman and sterile. Yes. And um, you were
1: in- Well, you're sterile now. Uh, actually, we both are.
0: Yes. Um, uh, how was Utah? I follow on to the last- uh, last podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, I went to Utah and we visited some national parks, um, on the way back and, uh, drove back from Utah. It was a lot of time in the car. I think my wife and I figured out we spent the equivalent of, of about two days in a car on that, on our two weeks off. So a lot of car time, but beautiful scenery, uh, and I had a chance to do a lot of thinking during during that time, Pete. Would you like to oh, know what I thought about? I, hit hit me up, man. Tell me
1: tell me what's on your mind there, bud.
0: Um, well, you know, in the spirit of oh my God. <laughs> it's getting tell a little Owen, rocky. Tell Owen,
1: he, Owen needs to keep his mouth shut.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, well, this is a Owen, first Owen's got thoughts.
0: Yeah. Um no, so you know. We were, we were both traveling on 4th of July, like you mentioned, America's yeah. birthday. And, um, I'm a, I'm a pretty big 4th of July fan, you know, marking the significance. Um, I think I saw a lot of people celebrating 4th of July and, mm-hmm. um, of all stripes and colors, mm-hmm. you know, um, all Americans in my book, but you know, I, I, we, we actually, the place where my parents live had, had a fireworks show and normally you go and it's, um, everyone has blankets and hangs out on a lawn and and mingles and has food and drink. But this year, because of COVID, um, you had to line up along a road in, in your car and watch fireworks from your car. And, and, uh, which was pretty weird and kind of, um, you know, like I was just watching it. It was a little surreal. Made me wonder how, how we got to this place and started thinking about, about, you know, made me think about of America and what it means and, um you know America is supposed to be like the land of ideas where you know strongest ideas you know executed with the most verve and 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 passion went out and those fireworks represent um you know the the, the original uh, that were literally the physical culmination of of kind of our forefathers efforts to to put those, ideals into practice, right. um, you know, where, what mattered most was not your name or your color, but, but, you know, your drive, your ethic, your knowledge, your reasoning.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, you know, I, I was just thinking as, and, and, as we drove back, I saw lots of different people, um, of again, various, uh, mentalities and, and, <laughs> and different parties. And, um, it, you know, I, it just set into me that like, I think, all we, we almost have two warring camps on what what America means today yeah. um, and uh you know one set believes it me- means like looking inward and and not learning anything new or reaching out to understand what what progress might mean to to others who don't who aren't like them and and you know America is them to them is draping themselves and in red, white, and blue, unapologetically, and like America is manifestly right, right because it's America, not for any right. other reason. It's 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 a birthright, right because right. you're American. Um, but you know, I don't think that's what the forefathers thought um, of America. And then there's another camp. Um, one second, I'm just going to tell them to be quiet. <laughs> okay, we'll just cut this at one second. So the other. The other camp, which I think, um, is kind of pretending America's past never existed or would like to pretend that it never existed. And those that don't fall in line with them are racist or unworthy of, of sort of being, being American and, and carrying America forward. Their, mat their thoughts don't matter about what America is or should be. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that entitlement that one side sees, um, as deriving from inherently American uh, is actually entitles the other group to redistribute everything, our collective gains, and and kind of whitewash history. So I think the common thread is that neither side is really listening. Um, You know, uh, neither side is interested in compromise. Both sides think the other side is un-American. And I think it's just, you know, it just made me realize that America's in a particularly dangerous place. Um, truthfully, I think that only a few Americans are actually fallen to either of these camps, you know, 100%. But but those camps are passionate. They're vocal, they're loud. They're amplified through social media, you know, yeah. that which we talked about here. Um but Fair. I I think I think most Americans are are pretty reasonable and and do respect what America was founded upon and and they look at the gray. Um so, you know, I just as we drove back from Utah through Jackson Hole and Yellowstone to Rushmore, it was just it was just a very beautiful drive and and you, and you just realize how rich and beautiful the country is and it was just yeah. kind of hard to to square the this beautiful nation that we've been that we've got for ourselves with sort of everything going on in the day and and um you know, uh, it just seemed very incongruent with like, how, how, what the state we're in with this kind of serene, natural beauty. Incidentally, I will say the national parks are, uh, an exemplary, uh, public service, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: their model for, for government, uh, effective government. I mean, yeah, just what they've done in Yellowstone is amazing. Um, so, uh, anyway, I don't know what's in store for america um but I do know that you know if we don't get back to sort of what the founding fathers envisioned then then we're in trouble. I don't pretend to be perfect myself um and i and I know I do and I'm sure I know you do as well. We kind of try to check our biases and um you know make sure we're we're challenging our assumptions and and, and thinking, right. And I, I I would just say after the 4th of July, and I don't know, there's nothing that's going to automatically make this happen. I just wish that Americans would maybe think more before, you know, they respond to that Facebook post or they yell some profanity at some somebody who's not like them. And uh, it was just, you know, kind of uh, a moment of reflection over those two weeks of July 4th for myself. So, I, that's just what I wanted to, to start with. You know, I think the goal of our podcast is, is just to make people think. And, um, I kind of reflected on that over the last, the last couple of weeks.
1: Well, it's interesting that it, you, you said all that because the times, you know, I spent four summers in a row, five summers in a row going out to Jackson Hole for actually for work in the summertime mm-hmm. in August. And there's something about, you know, when you when you're going in and you're driving around, you see the Tetons and Mm -hmm. you're in this really very majestic place that really you can't imagine exists anywhere else in the world. I mean, I'm sure it does, but it's it's here. It's our country. And it really does evoke that kind of pride in in our country and it does make you reflect, like you said, on that. Um, I think you're right. I think there is a lot of the camps are definitely gotten more segregated and are certainly at war with one another. Um, and I, th- I, I, it, it baffles me that people want to simplify our history to meet their own political or ideological mindset. Nobody wants to admit that the United States, like most countries, have very, very complicated histories, and that we should be learning from that history. And that was the whole intention from the very beginning that we would learn, evolve, and progress—a more perfect and union, right—to form that we, yeah, to form the more perfect union. But nobody, you know, and nobody sees it that way. They see either there has to be no change or there has to be absolute change right now, right this moment. And they don't get that we've been changing and evolving over 200 plus years, even longer before our independence, we were evolving and growing and becoming a country. you know it's there was a guy today actually you know there's a there's facebook groups for everything in every municipality well oak park where i live has got multiple facebook groups one's like oak park residents another one is northeast oak park residents another one's like oak park property tax watch and another one's oak park crime discussion well some guy you know poor guy i don't know any i don't know his background i know nothing about him uh, but he put up a uh, what seemed to be a heartfelt note saying i'm going to start a oak park moderate citizens uh facebook page you know join if you would like it's for people who just don't who don't fit into one camp of conservative or Mm -hmm. progressive and you know just want common sense you know public policy common sense conversation open dialogue free speech uh, a free exchange of ideas and this poor dude got jumped like from the word go on facebook he got he was accused of being a racist within the first like two or three comments i mean it was insane
0: um, like I said, people, if you're not if you're not on board with them, you're a racist.
1: Right, right. And he was getting trolled, and f- some guy decided to open up a Oak Park Progressive Citizens uh, Facebook page in response. And it's like, I don't, I don't know this guy. I don't know. I know nothing about his background to defend him, but he seemed heartfelt. He seemed like he just, you know, I he wants the free free exchange of ideas which i think i believe is actually at risk these days because of these warring factions that it is not safe in our country to have a nuanced opinion on anything anymore because if you don't fall in line on whatever perspective is you know you know of the moment then you are a racist or you are you know a Neander- a knuckle-dragging mouth breather or mm-hmm. whatever um and I think you know, in the pages, especially in editorial pages, it, in over the past couple months, we've talked about the Tom Cotton uh, episode at New York Times, where an editor was fired because you know they that op-ed was published, and he had to apologize and. Now we've seen Barry Weiss, who is a noted centrist, definitely left of center, um, mm-hmm. uh, op-ed columnist for the New York Times. She resigned this week because she just couldn't stand the bullying coming from people within the New York Times uh, editorial staff and even in the newsroom. Um, Andrew she Sullivan said, "Twitter resigning. is your ultimate editor." Uh, Twitter is the ultimate editor, even though they're not on the masthead. It's you know Andrew Sullivan retire or uh, resigning from New York Magazine. It's just. Nuanced opinion is very important, and I just don't understand why people are fighting against it so badly and why it's why it's seen as such a threat to, you know, Black Lives Matter or, or any social justice cause in, you've got to have nuanced opinion, you've got to have those sort of things in order to move forward, you can't have
0: absolution in every social moment, it just doesn't work. Yeah, no side has opinion. no side has a monopoly on the right ideas, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, but of course someone would automatically say, go to, well, you know, Hitler thought something or so and so. And just like, you know, you're not, you're not interested in a conversation when you go straight to those points. Right. Um, Well, and there was actually that thing, this, it was this week or last week, uh, there was a
1: new Trump 2020 t-shirt with an eagle on top of an American flag. And they were like, Oh, that's the, that's a Nazi symbol. I'm like, uh the eagle has been an american symbol since our founding like (laughs) they said the same thing about paul ryan uh, when he was speaker had a uh he chose an older version of the uh speaker's seal and it was a little bit more angular a little bit more it looked actually quite like modern but he was accused of using a nazi symbol for the speaker's uh symbol and it's like
0: come on and then not every these,
1: not everything is nazi, not everything is kkk, not everything right. is you know trotsky if you're if you want to accuse progressives of something. It's right. just And then
0: and then the, and, or the okay symbol, right? But right. And then of course those things get co-opted and become actually right. part right. of people will take them on board as, either as trolling efforts or, yeah. or to, to gaslight the other side exactly. and all that. Exactly. Yeah, it's like again, I don't know what our forefathers would think, but um well and I, uh, yeah
1: it's dangerous too with we we already talked about all the statues being taken down i mean you know people need to stop and look at history so and that's i've never been a fan growing up in the south i i don't think he, when i was a kid i ever understood you know confederate monuments or, conf, or confederate battle markers that were all throughout atlanta and the state of georgia and um there actually aren't that many that many confederate symbols in the city of atlanta but throughout georgia stone mountain is probably the most egregious confederate symbol um but i never paid much attention to that stuff but at the end of the day take whether you take those things down or not you need to be able to see stuff like that to see how far we've come you can't just lock it up in a room and pretend it doesn't exist or else we learn nothing and and that's kind of just how I feel. You have to be able to see that stuff, not maybe not in a public square, but in a museum or whatever, or at least in history books, so that you know how far we've come and how much further we still have to go. It it serves as a reminder to people that we have to keep moving forward. Uh, but I'm afraid if you take all that stuff away and put it, you know, lock it into some storage closet, nobody's ever going to be thoughtful about it and 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 use it as something to be like, never again. And here's why. And this is why we got to go forward.
0: Yeah, and I I don't think America was founded on the idea that we pretend certain things don't exist. Um, You know, they actually, by studying them and and understanding their flaws, it makes Mm -hmm. us stronger. Yes. Um, And, you know, I think that is probably one of the things that is hurting us most these days is that there is no conversation to stress test ideas or it's either you either agree with me or you're a member of the radical left or you're a a racist Trump fan, you know? So it's like, um, uh, I don't, I don't have any sort of prescription for, for how we change it. I just think we have to get back to that. And that, that's my 4th of July thoughts.
1: (laughs) Well, I think, um, I I tell people who know my, my political ideology and my background and I you know, say I'm I'm 100% supportive of you know Black Lives Matter with a little b not Black Lives Matter with a big b which is the organization that is more political than
0: anything and they actually have an agenda um you know right you're you're separating doesn't... the the pack from yeah. the the action, the phrase
1: but there's also been resistance to people even doing that like you know you can't separate people have, i've heard a lot of people in op-ed pages and even on you know twitter and facebook saying you can't separate the two yeah, when well. i believe you absolutely can sure i mean course. i've always lived i've tried to live my life under my, the mantra um that i associate most with my father which is don't be a dick you know respect all people smile talk to people you know you do a good job of that try yeah i mean try and if i i think it's Inhuman. it's a it's a mission. It should be people's mission to make someone smile at least once a day, you know, either by saying hello or complimenting them or something. And it doesn't, you know, I think that's if people could do that, I think it would snowball from there, and everybody might actually have a good day instead of being pissed off all the time at whatever they just read well, on, and on social think, media.
0: I and I think that does get to sort of the social media phenomenon, or you know. And a precursor to the social media, you could have seen how this might have gone. Is think about when you're you're driving in a car, um, and someone does something that pisses you off. Right, like you're 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 gonna flip them off, or you're gonna scream at them and, and mm-hmm. drive away, or whatever, because you don't have that ongoing face-to-face interaction with them. And then you could translate that to social media where it's easy to sit behind a keyboard and a, and a computer screen and and sort of yell at someone. But if you were sitting across from them having a drink, you would never engage in sort of the same vitriol that goes on 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 social media. Um, And like you said, like when you're with a person, there's, there's a human element to it. And, and you you do tend to want to be, be congenial and, yeah. and I don't know it's social media will be our death um, but it does seem like uh, they're getting some backlash these days so we'll see where that goes yeah um, you know the the ad ads being pulled yeah uh,
1: fact check now finally
0: right right so um, did you did you follow the um, the parlor app uh, development? Have you followed no, that? I haven't. I have not
1: like researched what the hell. I mean, I know that there's people who have been going doing parlor. I, I know Rand Paul made a big deal that he signed, created his profile or whatever on there, but I don't know much about it. It was
0: basically uh, an app um, touting itself as you know, no interference, completely mm-hmm. free speech. Um, so a lot of you know conservatives who were so so called being shadow banned. Uh, were moved to it and i think it's they're it, they're quickly realizing that um you know it's it has its own issues mostly that when a bunch of conservatives get into uh their own bubble um there's not really much to talk about it's right not really... <laughs> uh, exactly so um but it, it it's interesting uh you know i think we should not be running towards our own bubbles, but rather trying to, again, like I said, understand what's at Mm -hmm. what else is out there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: I'm with you, man. Okay. Good. Same page.
0: All right. Go America. The, 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 um, rejuvenation of America started here on July 15th, 2020 in on the podcast, Chicago land on politics and bros. Um, well, we do have other things to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, You know, life has gone on, albeit COVID tented life. Um, But I, I wanted to quickly bring up the, the Roger Stone commutation. Um, Dirtbag. So Roger Stone, who was, um, uh, arrested and convicted of, um, lying, lying to the FBI. I, I, I don't know if he was convicted of obstruction of of justice. I could look that up really easily, but I'm not going to. Regardless, he committed federal crimes, basically for inter for uh, related to the um, the Russia investigation, Mm -hmm. and was sentenced to, um, I believe, 40 months in prison is what it got reduced to. There was already a little scandal about uh, the the. Justice Department requesting yeah. a, a, a smaller sentence, um, <clears throat> but on the eve of him going to prison, President Trump uh, com- commuted his sentence, so Roger Stone will not have to serve any time. Um, as a result, President Trump called it a death sentence for Roger Stone since he would be going into federal prison where COVID is, is certainly causing concerns. Um, I personally thought it was, uh, outrageous, if not completely unsurprising. You know, the, the president has shown one thing to be sure is that if you, uh, pre- are loyal to him, um, as so long as you're loyal to him, he'll do anything in his power to make sure you are protected, um, yeah. in true, in true mobster style. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it. I don't know that it is unanimously thought that way. Um, I felt it was the first instance of commutation, specifically, for um, something related to a president's own doing, or yeah, his in, own conduct, doing. right, there's been a lot of questionable commutations in the past. Uh, but usually, therefore, things that have nothing to do with The president's own dealings now i know i think clinton did um commute his brother's sentence or something or was it hillary rodham's brother
1: uh Uh, i don't remember it's one or the other
0: uh and we can fact check that, that of course that was yes fact checkers please look that up of course that was definitely raised um by conservatives as an objection and a whataboutism response to the Stone commutation, but I guess um, and of course the president does have the power to commute. Um, I saw where Obama, Trump has only commuted eleven sentences since he's been in office. Obama commuted over eleven hundred, um, but it's not the the act that is the um, the outrage here. It's it's who it was who it was done for yeah um and so you know in that regard i see it as unprecedented i mean i don't know if you have any thoughts
1: no i just you know i was trying to think like uh, you know i I fall victim to the whataboutism too at times and you know frank rich came to mind from clinton and then you know there's been some quote unquote quote unquote freedom fighters slash domestic terrorists who have had their sentences commuted and Mm -hmm. most recently under President Obama. But I mean, like you said, this is this has this this has, and I'm sure there might be, there actually might be instances in history where this has happened before. I don't know. But in at least in our lifetime or, you know, our the time that we've been alive to pay attention to this sort of thing, I can't think of a time when a president has commuted the sentence of a guy who Probably has dirt on the president somehow, or at least has knowledge of what the president did. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, I just think that's re- that's really where the outrage comes from. Um, I don't, but the, I don't see many. Before,
0: before you go, for Bill Clinton pardoned Roger Clinton, um, his brother, there you go. For, for drug charges. But his brother had served the entire sentence more than a decade earlier. So. so. So I don't even know what a commutation does, and that yeah, it, yeah, it means you technically that was wiped from the record that you never served. Or,
1: maybe he's no. Maybe he didn't have to be on probation for X amount of years. Who knows? Yeah,
0: maybe. So, but anyway, doesn't sound like the same. But
1: no, but I just I don't see a lot of you know, I don't see a lot of outrage, or at least I, I think there's I think there's people. The conservatives have been relatively quiet on this. The Republicans, I should say, have been. Pretty quiet on it because I think they they think it's bullshit too. But they're not in the mood to pick a fight with the president on social media for commuting somebody's sentence for exercising his presidential powers. But yeah. you know, I didn't see. I didn't.
0: Romney and, Rom Rom and Toomey said something.
1: Yeah, i but I don't see like you know like Cruz or or you know uh Cornyn or any of those guys being out there. You're like, yeah, he did. That's the right thing. He should commute that. Right. So, Roger Stone. Right. I think they're kind of like, dude, and. <sighs> You know, from there's been a lot of rumors and writing out there that you know, you know, John Thune has said something, Senator John Thune from South Dakota has been saying some things. Um, You know he, that the president's being incredibly unhelpful uh, in a in a lot of his rhetoric lately, and it's like yeah, no, it's like no shit. But um, you know, I I get the sense, and I I don't know why it took this long. It, that's a whole nother conversation, but. Uh there are plenty of Republicans on capitol Hill now that are, that are kind of thinking all right you need to you need to take it down a few notches trump
0: here this is <laughs> the ship
1: is sinking enough as it is you don't need to make it worse
0: yeah he's um, certainly uh, appearing to be a drag on on the g o p ticket for the mm-hmm. the fall um and uh I don't know if you saw. His, um, his speech or his Rose Garden press conference yesterday. Did I you did read not. about this? I did not. Uh, evidently, it was bonkers. Um, but <laughs> uh, it turned into essentially him reading uh, an attack, uh, a long list of attacks on Joe Biden. Um, and uh, I, I read somewhere where a, a Republican um, election consultant Uh, emailed someone from the bulwark and said his client and it was redacted needed this, like he needed a hole in the head, you know? So like they're definitely trying to keep their heads down and be, Mm -hmm. and and create like the right amount of distance without getting, without drawing his public ire. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, it's, it's definitely weighing the Senate races down for sure. I think, you know, his hand picked person for, um, for the Georgia Senate race, Senator Kelly Loeffler, you know, she's, she's not doing hot and it's not that she's not doing well against the Democrats It's that she has, it's a, it's a, it's a special election. So it's a jungle right. primary where there's another Republican in there and it's, you know, Congressman Doug Collins, who I think was probably Trump's, that was Trump's actual choice, uh, uh-huh. at the end of the day, but he's now all in for Kelly Loffler because that's who's there. So I think she might actually lose, but that would stay in Republican hands. But he's not yeah, helping he's not helping going. McSally in Arizona. McSally's McSally's down seven points to to Mark Kelly. yeah Um, it's not helping in Michigan, where they could have probably had a pickup against Senator Gary Peters, but um, You know he's up by seven points now, and it looks like that's going to stay in Democratic hands. In Montana, Senator Steve Daines is a very well liked former governor. He's losing to the current governor, um, Bullock. Yeah, Bullock by
0: two points. I mean that's huge. I can't believe that. To be honest, yeah, that's a Trump plus twenty three. Yeah, in two thousand sixteen, state. So, yeah, yeah, let's keep this going. We were going to talk about the election a little bit later, but let's just keep it going. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, he's, he's clearly, clearly starting to get unhinged today, replacing his campaign manager with a, with another senior advisor. And, you know, he's down depending on the polls, he's down on average, I think like eight points to Biden nationally. Um, and that's still five,
0: five months out, four months out. So. Do um, you, so I know we've had this discussion before personally, and I believe even on the podcast, um, the, the, you know the polls are showing steady, steady Biden presidential lead. You mm-hmm. know anywhere between eight and eleven points, probably yep. on average. Um, do do you? Well, first off, I'll say uh, there was a long article um, in Politico about Elisa Slotkin who is running in Michigan and, right. and traditionally Republican uh, seat district. And she says she doesn't believe the polls in Michigan. She believes that um, it's much more competitive. Uh, and you know, my thoughts are is that she is in a particularly um, difficult situation herself, and it doesn't do her any good to say um, that sure Biden's doing great. And because if people get lackadaisical, it doesn't help her get elected in a hard to to. Um, to win a seat for herself. But I guess I would ask you, do you, after 2016, do you, do you believe the polls? um, And if, if not, why? And if so, why?
1: I think it's a little unique now. Um, if there was no COVID and there was no, um, just tear that if, if there hadn't been such a horrible response to, to the virus and, and from the top, mm-hmm. I would, I would probably blanketly not believe any poll right now that has Biden up by that much. Um, and they might
0: not. <laughs> they and they might, they, and they
1: might not. Yeah, it's true. They might not. But I mean, I think I I would, I would probably still believe to my core that Trump would probably still win in November had coronavirus not happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but with coronavirus taken into account now, um, she would know better, I think in in terms of the Michigan polls, I I would probably think that would translate over to Wisconsin too. I mean, Wisconsin is just generally a a schizophrenic state politically. They just, you know, have the most conservative Senator and then the most, one of the most liberal senators representing them right now. And both have won reelection, you know, in each of their respective positions. So it's sort of like they, I I don't know if I ever believe polls that come out of Wisconsin, but yeah, um, yeah. I think what it would, what it really would come down to at the end of the day to believe the polls is that Biden has a get out the vote, um, uh, apparatus similar to what he had when he was running as vice president with president Obama, because their get out the vote system was unbelievably good. And they got everybody out to that. They needed African-American votes, uh, urban votes. They even got out the suburbs. And I think, you know, if, if the Democrats can recreate that, this, this this uh november i think biden will win um Mm -hmm. but i think there are districts that exist that the polling doesn't make any sense we've got two of those districts in illinois um that were republican that switched to democrat in this past uh, election cycle that could very well switch back to the republicans this time around um and they were all pro you know plus whatever four or five for trump um in 2016 um but um that also assumes that Trump has made inroads with suburban moms um, in the suburbs in general. And I just don't think he's done that. And especially with the handling of of coronavirus and now talking about schools not coming back for full time this fall, um, public schools, high schools, you know, know, I I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it might be closer than it actually is, but I, I don't think I, I don't see how he can win in November now.
0: Well, and the other thing is, is that the the, the Trump campaign will say, po- the, those polls are inaccurate. Ours are accurate. Well, why? Sure. But right. Yeah. So right. like the idea that um, uh, there's a hidden Trump voter, right? Like someone who is either intentionally sabotaging polls or um, saying – or not responding to polls, but they're somehow responding to the Trump polls. Mm -hmm. Like that that doesn't really square itself, right? No. That you don't, when someone receives a call or a poll, they don't know who the backer is for the poll. So, um, you know, and I think if anything, the pollers are going to be more careful at the state level this time than they were in 2016 I mean essentially nationally they were within they were right like they called Clinton by three percent ish and she won you know essentially right at three percent it was just the popular vote um, they, they they just messed up the the state polls and in, in a couple of key swing states right um, and uh, I think when you also start talking about they could they could be wrong they could be wrong in 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 Michigan or Wisconsin but by because of the virus Biden is starting to potentially get to places where he could win Florida and Pennsylvania and if he wins both of those it's I think it's game over yeah um, you know he he's narrowing Trump's uh, path to victory yeah um, and he's really not even doing anything Trump's doing it to himself. Um, But But I think the lesson the lesson to
1: learn, I think, though, from 2016 is that you shouldn't you shouldn't believe polls unless you are unless your candidate is getting the getting out the vote. Because polls don't mean shit unless you're actually getting people getting to the the ballot box, to be honest. And that's why polls for Obama in 20 in 2012 Were spot on. That's why polls for Obama in two thousand eight were spot on because they had to get out the vote apparatus to make sure that whoever they were polling was actually going to vote. Because you can poll all day long, but what if those people don't get leave their house on in November to go actually vote for somebody?
0: Actually, five thirty eight has an article today about enthusiasm gaps. Yeah, um, they actually make the argument that um, I think the conventional wisdom is there's not a lot of enthusiasm for Biden, but they make the argument that there actually is, um, lowering enthusiasm for Trump. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, like you said, it's not going to matter. And I, I think, I think both sides are pretty motivated. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens, but, um, polling wise, and I tend to believe them, um, being in research myself now, uh, I think it, it does portend um, a Biden victory. As you know, I may have money on that. Um, (laughs) uh, But um, as we were mentioning earlier, the, the down ballot uh, situation, um, you know, and I think, I don't know if we started the podcast before, but I remember at one point talking to you uh, where you, you're, you're, your scenario you actually thought the democrats had a better chance of retaking the senate than beating trump do you still think um, the do you still think that way uh,
1: i think that i think the dems have a great opportunity to take the senate i don't know if they will i think it's 50-50 um, it seems like things are trending in the right way but all the polls are are pretty with the exception of a couple states the polls are tightening a lot um, Hickenlooper in Colorado has made, you know, a couple of enforced errors with his ethics, uh, violations there, his, his inability to explain what happened or at least own up to it. And that's narrowed the gap with Corey Gardner. And, you know, despite what you might say about anybody might say about Corey Gardner, he is a super likable guy, super nice. He, he's a door knocker. He's out there on the, and he's he puts in the work. Um, I think really the right now, if I had to call it the only lost truly lost race is Arizona. I think Mm -hmm. McSally, I don't think she has a prayer to beat Mark Kelly. I just think that that's, that brace is gone. Um, You know, but there's a lot of other forces out there that have come online. You've got the Lincoln project guys who've raised almost $19 million since the beginning of the year. And not only are they running ads, anti-Trump ads, they're actually running ads against some senators too, in their own party. Yeah, Um, Which actually I take a little offense to, but um, because I didn't think that was what their mission was going to be, but you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I think states where Dems thought they were going to be more competitive, like Texas, like you're you're never going to take down John Cornyn. You just you're not. I I don't think they have a prayer to win that seat. Um, I think even with Maine, you know, they've got a good candidate and a former speaker of the state house against Susan Collins. But I Susan Collins is a freaking survivor, and she is a centrist. And you know, I just don't. I she could lose, she could, but I think right. If I had to say right now, I bet she wins. So I think they have a great opportunity to take back the Senate, but I'd still, I'd put it at 50, 50 that they would, um, at this point. And
0: if Biden wins the presidency, they only need to get to 50. I mean, I know you're saying 50, 50, um, but yeah, 50% uh, chance to win, to win back the Senate. Like it's um, a coin flip. I think at this point, they just need to get to, um, 50 if Biden wins. So that could potentially be, um, Hickenlooper, uh, Um, Kelly and then, you know, one, one of um, Gideon Cunningham. Yeah. um, You know, I don't think Georgia is going to flip, but I don't know. Ernst has been in a neck and neck race. Uh, As you said, Bullock, all they need is one of those. I I think, but then again, I think, as you mentioned before we got on, Tommy Tuberville will probably be in the Senate so that they might need four. (laughs) So wild to me. (laughs) But that four, if they got four in Tuberville and they lost Doug, Doug Jones, would that be 50-50 or would that be 51-49? That,
1: that's 50-50. They need to win. Okay. They need to net three seats. To to get to 50. To get to 50.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So um, anyway,
0: it's, yeah, in, it's I, in reach.
1: I'm shocked that we haven't talked about Jeff Sessions' you know, fall from grace total fall from grace port. I feel, I feel a little bit bad for the guy. I don't care. I kind of feel like he, he needs to retire. He needed to retire anyway. Um, I do find it funny that Tommy Tuberville, uh, (laughs) a former college head football coach who I'm sure is a lovely guy. Um, is probably nothing
0: of policy. Yeah. He he wouldn't be the first
1: former college football coach to be in Congress. Um, but, um, Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne, I think, was the last one from yeah. Nebraska. But, um, you know, it was. I just think it's funny. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Doug Jones is going to be able to hold off. Uh, hold that one. On, hold that seat. But um, crazier things. And it's it's a thing where I don't think Biden has. I don't think it's going to matter if Biden's at the top of the ticket. I think it's really just going to be because there's going to be plenty of people on the Republican side who are going to vote for Biden, uh, you know, regardless of who's down the ballot and then they will they'll vote for their Republicans down ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, i w I'd love to see that data after, after the election of, of
0: down ballot voting. Split tickets. Yeah. Split ticket voting and see how that, how that all worked. Well, um, early voting starts pretty soon in some States. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, I printed out my cook County mail-in, uh, ballot today. So, Oh, nice. It's it's, uh, or not my my application for mail in. Oh, okay. Um, Are you not going
1: to be around in November?
0: No, I'll be here. But (laughs) you don't. You just don't want to go to your polling station. Oh, because of COVID stuff. I mean i I'd like to have the option. Yeah. I mean, if I get the mail in ballot, do I have to do it, or can I just uh, I can still vote in person? Yeah, you could Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you can yeah. still vote in person. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just like to have the option. Yeah, it's um, yeah, very smart. Also, I want to. I want to vote twice, so I can. Vote. <laughs> which is what? Which is what Trump's going to accuse yeah. everybody of? Right. Uh so anyway, I'm not. I don't have any sort of formal training in elections, but I love following them, and I think it's yeah. it's a sport to me. Almost um, oh, definitely. Most definitely a sport. Yeah. Uh so I don't know, do you want to quickly touch on schools or do you want to just uh call it a night and save it for the next pod? Oh, uh, let's save it for the next pod. I think I right. think it'll so, still be the, the conversation will still be going on and probably focus a
1: lot of anxiety uh, to just yeah. think about schools not opening in the fall and you know, especially our situation in Chicagoland where everybody's kind of waiting to see what other school districts are going to do and you know the mayor of Chicago announced that they're not going to CPS isn't going to make a decision until like late August. I'm like, "Ah, how's that going to work? But
0: anyway, we can talk about the next on the next pod. Yeah. They may have even made an announcement in Chicago by then. Yeah. Um, Cool. So, uh, what have you been into these days? Um, not
1: much, uh, water. Anytime I can get to water, uh, is what I've been into. Um, we have multiple, water features at our house now but the there is a pool at our club that we can go to and we have reservation for friday they're doing a reservation system to maintain social distancing and uh limit the amount of people that are at the pool so we're taking the kids on friday afternoon and that's gonna be a lot of fun
0: can teddy Um, swim
1: yeah Teddy's getting good at when we were in Michigan, he was jumping into the lake, he had his life vest on and then like a little noodle and he was kind of paddling out and anytime he'd like go any go near any of the pontoon boats, we'd like yell at him to get his to get back to us because I was getting a little too close, but he was getting adventurous and, and then Leo was kind of dunking her feet in and having fun. And we did go to the beach. Uh, and at the beach, Leah got in the water and swam around with me. And, um, cool but um the lake where my in-laws have their cabin um it's a little murky it's not really a, a swimming lake it's more of a you know ride your you know ride your jet ski or your, your uh-huh. pontoon boat kind of lake and fishing because there's a lot of uh, weeds that are actually growing up out of the out of the water so you know when you when you jump in you get you feel that stuff kind of rubbing against your skin is kind of kind of gross, yeah, but, gross but um but they still had a freaking great time and um yeah, so that water and grilling meats, which is what I like to do in the summer. We got a whole bunch of steaks from Bob's Processing in South Haven, Michigan, which is a phenomenal butcher. And I brought back future future pod sponsor. Oh, I hope so. God, to would be amazing. Uh, I mean, when I go back in August, I'll I'll ask I'll ask Bob if he's interested in that sort of thing. Um, if I get a free pack of bacon out of it, I'll be happy. Bob exactly. is in the Bob is in the smoked meats hall of fame. So oh. this this dude's legit. Um, that does sound but, good. Um, yeah. Grilling meats and water. You're into summer. I'm into summer. How about cool. you?
0: Uh, so I mentioned we went to a bunch of parks on the way back from mm. from our trip. Um, and I was not aware of this program until recently, but it's quite good. And I'm into it. Mm. Uh, it's called the Every Kid in a Park Program put on by the National Parks uh, Organization. Ooh. NPS. Um, and basically any fourth grader is entitled to, uh, to explore the parks for free. Oh, So, uh, why daughter, just
1: fourth graders?
0: I don't know. I don't yeah. know the history behind it, but that's the age they, oh. you know, maybe to, to instill that awe of nature and at a young age, Damn right. um, exploration. Uh, so my daughter is going into fourth grade and, and, um, we printed out, it was very easy, something online. She filled it out. We got to the first um, entry station, handed it in. They gave us a, a pass. and it was good for the whole car. So we went to we made one, two, three, four, five, six visits to parks and didn't pay anything for them. Um, and you know the entry fees run anywhere between like 25 and40 dollars for a car. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just a a great program. Uh, it really helps us out. Um, kind of not that we wouldn't have paid the entry fee, but it's, it's just, um, you know, we probably did go into a park that we wouldn't have gone into otherwise because, Mm. uh, so yeah, it's, it's just a good, um, good program that I'd recommend to anyone who has, uh, fourth grader or. They didn't really seem to check too, too rigorously. So, you know, (laughs) didn't ask for ID (laughs) or a second grader or a fifth grader. Um, They did ask when we uh, rolled, when we rolled up and showed it, they said, where's the fourth grader? And we just rolled down the window and showed them our daughter in the back. But, you know, you've seen Olivia. She doesn't exactly look too old. So we could probably get away with that for a couple more years. Um, So that's really cool. Yeah. Not only I'm into the program, I'm into taking advantage of it. Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, th- I, I that's, I really, once the, my kids get old enough to appreciate that sort of thing, I definitely would love to do a tour of a couple of the parks. And my in-laws took um, uh, my two nephews last year to Yellowstone for like, they were oh. for eight days or something like that. And they, yeah. they, they did the thing where <laughs> they, they went, I don't, I don't remember where they entered, but then they came out and they spent a day or two in Jackson and Wyoming and Mm-hmm. Um. So I'd love to do. I really would love to take my kids to do that. But obviously, you know, our youngest is only a year old, so we need got a few couple, few years before he would even appreciate it. Well, thanks for talking, buddy. It was good to talk to you. um Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back at it. We'll come back at you with episode twenty two in a week or so. Uh, We're on to the
0: next twenty.
1: On to the next twenty. Uh. Follow us on Twitter at brospolitics and listen to us on wherever you on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, and until the next time, we'll go to the casino. Peace. And good night, buddy. What could possibly go wrong?